everyone. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're both Charlie Swan, seemingly unfazed that our daughter just came home from her birthday celebration with stitches in her arm. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. You were talking to dolphins when you said pod there. It was like very <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I was like, that was a that was a new note I just hit. I know Paige and I for the listeners we like met eyes and we were like don't ruin it just push through it but we were both like trying not to laugh welcome to the pod if you want to like stitch that in to make it sound more realistic I have a really good deep voice apparently I thought everyone could do this but apparently they cannot but it's like now I'm not gonna be able to do it because I'm under pressure welcome to the pod oh it's like a demon voice welcome to the pod yes yeah (laughs) I spend a lot of time with demons. You know that thing from BuzzFeed Unsolved where he's like, hey, demons, it's me, your boy. <laughs> yes. My sister told me that they're canceling it, that it's like it's done. There's going to be no more new episodes. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. They've probably covered literally everything at this point, and it's been on for so long, and they probably want to do other shit with their lives. But I want them to keep doing it. And it's Leo season, so they should cater to me. Fair. Um... Two things. I was making fun of how you were talking, and then when I was talking just now, I almost said show instead of so, like, oh, this is so boring, or whatever the fuck. Um, Number two, everyone, by the time you're hearing this, it will already have been Paige's birthday, so you better wish her... Oh, wait, no. Is that right? No, (laughs) no, it'll be in, like, four days. It'll be in, like, four days. So keep an eye out. Yeah. When When you listen to this episode, my... My Leo main will be fully ablaze with the fires of my signs. My sign, not signs. That had end of the episode energy, what you just fucking said. I'll think of something better later. Okay. <laughs> um, how's it going? What's new? Um, I, uh, I finally finished my very first level of Extremely Hard Sudoku. I'm very proud of that. Um, I did it in 13 minutes and 22 seconds, which I'm kind of shocked about because I'm finishing my hard levels in about like eight minutes. So the fact that extremely hard only took me 13, I'm like, should I like try and take the SATs again? I don't know. <laughs> Just take a grad school application. <laughs> I will. We'll see. We'll see. If, if you see me in the news, like Paige wins the National Spelling Bee or Paige <laughs> discovers the cure for stupidity I don't know something cool like that like just know it's my big brain energy (laughs) what's the app in case people want to play um I think it's just like sudoku let me look um it literally just says sudoku I don't know mood okay for those looking the little icon is like a three a six and a one inside the little squares I, I'm at the home page now, and it just says Sudoku on the top. So I don't know. The background looks like it has bamboo on it, so. Who knows? Um, here's a plea to the listeners. If anyone does the New York Times mini crossword puzzle, could you let me know so that we can compete against each other? Because I'm tired of beating my boyfriend every single day. I'm so much better at it, at it than him. I've really wanted to get into crossword puzzles. Is that an app or do you have to get the actual hard copy of it? It's not an app. And well, I guess you probably could get it on the New York Times app, but I don't know if they print it. It's like, it's like really small. 
Like, a couple days ago, I did it in 16 seconds. But they just publish it every day in, it's just called the New York Times Mini. It's just called Mini. And you don't have to have a subscription to do it. Can you do it online, though? Yeah, I do it in, like, Safari or whatever's on my phone. I'll try it. Let me know. I mean, I feel like you're going to win, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You can catch me on an off day, too. Okay. I'll consider it. Um, so this week, we read chapter two of New Moon, Stitches. Paige, what did you think of this chapter? I have a two two main thoughts. First thought, this chapter, I feel like it paints Carlisle in a very good light. I don't know. I felt like it had good Carlisle vibes to it. You know, most of the things that Carlisle has done has been pretty good in my eyes. I say most of the things, not all of the things. But I felt particularly this chapter seemed like it painted Carlisle in a good light. So I did enjoy that. A little extra back information about him. You get a little more character development on his, just in his backstory, I guess. And then two, the latter half of this chapter really made me cringe. I, in a way that, like, it was very relatable for me where you're in a relationship and you know something is wrong and you're just clinging to that relationship, hoping anything that you do will help make the situation better. Oh, maybe if I apologize, maybe if I go above and beyond, maybe like things will go back to the way that they were before this. And it's just like, you just know something is wrong and it's just not the way that it used to be. And it just, it made me cringe so hard because I know that Bella feels that. And I mean, I when I flip the last page and I see that the next chapter is called The End, it did not leave me feeling good. <laughs> How we feeling out there tonight? <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's a pretty good summary of how I felt, too. You've all been there. We're here for you, Bella. My third, I know I said there were only two points, but my third, just sort of a mini point, there is a line that Bella delivers in this chapter um, that made me scream because I feel like it could sum up a lot of the way that I was feeling and also the way that I was feeling in Midnight Sun, too. Spoiler alert, it's about Mike Newton. How the hell did Mike Newton get into this conversation? Yes. <laughs> I agree. I love that line. But then immediately after she says, like, I would rather die than be with Mike Newton, which was so unnecessary and so rude. I know. I know. I felt the same way. I was like, I, I was rooting for it. And then I was like, well, it's kind of rude. OK, so the chapter starts off with Paige being right, because I had asked you at the last at the end of the last chapter, like, who is the one vampire who's not ravenous? And the very first sentence of this chapter is Carl was the only one who stayed calm. I felt very validated. I was like, oh my gosh, I finally got something right. This is definitely not the first time. Give yourself some credit. But I was completely right. True. True. So um, Emmett drags Jasper out of there. And then Rosalie, I gotta say, not a good time to be smug, girlfriend. We got bigger fish to fry than your attitude. She looks smug and she helps Emmett get Jasper out. And then Esme runs out apologizing to Bella. So then that just leaves Carlisle, Edward, and Alice. 
And Carlisle asks Bella if she wants to go to the hospital or if she would rather he just treat it right there. Of course, Bella, who hates attention of all kinds, is like, please treat it right here. So he gets right to work. And then Alice and Edward are just kind of there. And so Bella's like, she first addresses Edward and says, you know, like, get some fresh air. You don't need to be a hero. And then he keeps like saying, no, I'll stay. But he's acting like totally like emotionless, which was which is almost it's like when your dad or like an authority figure when you were a kid was mad at you. But he wasn't like yelling. He was just like not saying anything. The worst. Yeah, uh, this actually happened to me when I was traveling with my family. We were going through the Miami airport and my mom was the very last person to like go through the metal detector. And my sister, my dad and I were all standing, like we had just gotten our shoes and all the things that had come through the x-ray thing. And we were just standing waiting for her, but a bunch of people were in line in front of her somehow. Cause it was like two lines merged into one metal detector. So she was behind a bunch of people. And one of the TSA guys was like, guys, you can't wait here. I don't care if you're waiting for someone in your party. You have to go over to, like, the waiting area over there. And so I started to gather my things to go, and my dad was like, don't go anywhere. Like, we can wait here. And just, I was like, of all the places to try and fight someone in authority, I feel like the airport is not the place for it. So I said, you're not in charge here, he is. And then I grabbed my shit and went away. And my dad is very not the person. Like, I said it because I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to stand there. I just wanted to go. But after I said it, I was like, that was a horrible thing to say to my father. Because he is definitely the kind of person who'd be like, no, actually, I am the person in charge here. Um, and then he didn't talk to me for the rest of the time we were at the airport. So... I was like, yeah, don't like that. It's like when they say, like, um, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It's like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Ugh. So, finally they convince Edward to leave, but because Carlisle is like, you should go talk to Jasper. Like, he's probably really upset with himself. And they all kind of gang up on him and tell him to do that, so he leaves. And then right after... He leaves, Alice leaves, and Bella hilariously is like, I can clear a room at least. And um, everything about this whole situation is just so awkward. Like, beyond the drama and, like, the theatrics of it all, like, they're at, they're literally just standing there and Bella's, like, covered in blood. And they have to be like, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like... I feel like every time that I make a mistake like that, it's I wish that there was some sort of undo button in life, like in a Word document or in some sort of art project where you can just like completely negate the thing that you just did and go back like four seconds and just feeling like this would be the perfect time for a real life undo button. I hate everything about what's going on right now. Yes, totally. It's almost like the mundane to me is more awkward than the like, drama because it's like the fact that they have to like pull each piece of glass out of her arm I'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay so then while Carlisle and Bella are alone and he's you know stitching her up they kind of get into this conversation 
And it starts off by Bella being like, how do you deal with this? Like, what? how and why did you, like, choose to be a doctor? Um, and he says, you know, I, I enjoy my work too much. Um, I've never felt the need for a vacation. And he says he, he can do it because he has had so many years of practice. So then Bella asks him what basically what his favorite part is of being a doctor that is also a vampire. And he says that his favorite part is when his enhanced, quote, enhanced abilities let me save someone who would otherwise have been lost. Um, and then he says, it's pleasant knowing that thanks to what I can do, some people's lives are better because I exist. I was curious what you thought on that, because as we have argued multiple times, some people's lives are worse because he ex he can do what he can do. So do you think, I feel like we've talked about this before, but do you think it's like him like paying penance deep down? Do you think, like, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I mean, he even mentions a little later that he still questions whether it was the right thing to change any of the people in his life. Like, he still wonders if subjecting them to this life is was the right choice, you know? So I do feel like, in a way, it is a penance for him because, you know, he can't take back those actions, obviously. Um but he can help in other ways. I don't think that he feels guilty at all about the Quileute situation. I'm only talking about vampires in this, like his family. I don't think he has any remorse about that and how him and his family being in Forks negatively affects them in a very specific way. But that aside, I do think that like, like, he says that he doesn't really feel like that he's apologizing. Rather, he's just making the best of the situation he's been given. And for him, the best that he can do is to be in the medical field, to save people's lives, to try and help people who have the ability to either live or die in any way that he can. So I, I, I think in a way it's a penance, but also I think that, like he says, it's just what he thinks is the best thing he could do with what was allotted to him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like he's one of those people who's like, I have endless time. Like mm -hmm. I might as well spend it making the world better. You yeah, know? that was, that was exactly what I was going to say next that, you know, what profession would benefit having someone who doesn't need to sleep, who can be attentive at any hour, who has these supernatural abilities of scent and sight and hearing and all that? Like, which which field could I help people the most? And I think the medical field would be one of those. Because, like, other things, like, like, if he was a firefighter and, like, he's able to carry five people out of a fire, like, that would be very, very suspicious, you know? Like, at least with this, you know, they can kind of move around and, you know, oh, he's a great doctor. Like, it doesn't really seem like he needs sleep. One of his doctor friends is like, he looks amazing. It must be plastic surgery. Like, it, it just kind of, like, it's a good field for them to sort of blend in while still he can do the best that he can do. Yeah, totally. Very astute observation. Um, so, yeah, he actually finishes, um, stitching up Bella, and then he kind of burns, 
everything that's bloody just to get rid of the scent. But their conversation continues. Bella asks him, like, in the beginning, when you first became a vampire, like, why did you even, like, want to try a different way? Like, why didn't you just go with what you knew was your instinct? And he says, you know, I didn't believe in what my father believed in, who was a clergyman, um, because it was, like, too harsh, and I didn't think that, that, that's just not what I believed. But he said, like, however, like, I have never seen anything to make me doubt whether God exists in some form or the other, not even the reflection in the mirror. Um, and Bella's kind of surprised because, and she kind of goes into this little, like, reflection of her own. She's like, I'm not religious. Um, Charlie, like, technically is Lutheran, but he doesn't go to church. Renee is, like, not religious. She tried it on, it, like she does with a million other things, and it didn't stick. Um, and then Carlisle says something interesting that we have talked about in previous books, too, where he says, by all accounts, we're damned regardless, but I hope, maybe foolishly, that we'll get some measure, measure of credit for trying. Just kind of sad. Yeah, it, it is really sad, and I feel like for a lot of people who are religious, the uh, one of the driving forces to being a good person and doing things to help others and benefit others, I mean, you should be a good person, but also the reward is eternal life. You know, when you're a good person and you've embraced the love of God, in Christianity at least, um, you go to heaven. So his upbringing did have a Christian sort of background to it. So it would make sense that he kind of still has those feelings pushing him forward, like doing good for others and loving one another is what will help me get to heaven, even though he doesn't really know if that's necessarily the case. Like he doesn't really think that that's going to be the case for him. It's still, I feel like a very ingrained feeling for those who are raised at least with a Christian background. Yeah, definitely. And I think it gives him something to hold on to. You know, I think it's part of the reason, like, he has so much integrity because he believes in this, like, thing bigger than himself, which would be hard to do if you were, like, immortal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Edward has, he, like, briefly kind of talked about religion and Midnight Sun, and it seems kind of ambiguous the way that he feels, like, kind of maybe, I don't know, believes in God, but certainly believes in hell and being damned. So, like, if you don't have that, like, that thing to hold on to in these trying times, you can feel very lost, and I can kind of see that in Edward. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, he comes up next in their conversation because Bella says, well, first, um, Carlisle says, um, you're the first person to agree with me that, like, we would get, vampires would get a chance for being, if they were, they tried to be good and tried to, you know, not hurt humans. He says that Bella's the first one to agree, and so um, Bella's like, oh, everyone else doesn't feel the same, but really just asking about Edward, and he picks up on that, and he says, Edward's with me up to a point. God in heaven exists, and so does hell, but he doesn't believe there is an afterlife for our kind. You see, he thinks we've lost our souls. And so Bella says, oh, that's that's the heart of why he won't change me. And Carlisle makes a very interesting point where he says, 
if you believed as he did, could you take away his soul? And I got, I can't, I can't lie. When I read these books for the first time, I was like, yeah, I actually totally see where Edward's coming from now. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like a very compelling argument from Carlisle. And I mean, it makes Bella kind of stop in her heels, you know, to actually consider that. She hadn't even thought about that before. Yeah, she tries to be like, well, it's my choice. And Carlisle's like, well, it's his too. And so they don't really like come to any agreement on it. You know, Bella tries to be like, oh, well, you could do it. And Carlisle's like, oh, hell no, girl. That's basically what he says. In, in your opinion, is it Bella's choice? I mean, she doesn't have the ability to give herself vampirism. Someone else has to give it to her. So is it really her choice or is it her giving consent for someone else to agree to it? Like when it, with a choice, I feel like like saying yes or no, you have the ability to like go either way. But I don't, I that part kind of like, gave me a little bit of thought like I see I see what she's saying but I don't know like if she has like a choice to say yes I'm gonna be a vampire or no I'm not gonna be a vampire like I don't she doesn't have that ability to to make that you know I actually have to disagree I do think it's her choice because you know and I know more about this than you do but like, we've referenced other vampires who are outside of the colons in the story before. Like, who's to say she couldn't go find one and ask them to do it? That's and they wouldn't care. They don't know her. I forgot about other people. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm only picturing, like, the Cullens in this situation. Yeah. That makes sense. But it, you're right in that it's, like, a little bit of coercion on her part. And she keeps, like, pressing Edward on this understanding his objection. You know, I think that's a little bit unfair of her. Yeah, I agree. So, anyways, um, real quick on page 38, Carlisle says, um, I think in most other ways that I've done the best I could with what I had to work with, but was it right to doom the others to this life? I can't decide. No, I'll answer, I'll decide for you. No. Anyway, so then he gets into the backstory of Edward because he remembers them, him and his mother very clearly because he, he knew them as a vampire. So his his memories are not tainted. And he basically explains that he decides to change Edward on a whim because he believes his mother, Edward's mother, knew that Carlisle was different in some way and had some kind of power to save Edward that other doctors wouldn't have. Because on her deathbed, she pleads with Carlisle and she says, save him. And he says, I'll do everything in my power. And she says, you must. You must do everything in your power. Your is in italics. What others cannot do, this is what you must do for my Edward. And so Carlisle takes a few seconds to think it over, you know, like, he's like, how could she really know? Like, if she really knew what I was, like, would she consent to it? And, you know, I've been so lonely. Like, there's a lot of factors in this decision for Carlisle. So eventually he just, as we know, goes for it. He rolls Edward and his mother, who is now dead, to the morgue. And in the morgue, he likes, I think he says he runs away with Edward's body, right? Or not body, because he's still alive, but... 
Yes, I stole him out the back door and carried him across the rooftops back to my home. And then he kind of concludes the story by saying, I wasn't sorry, though. I've never been sorry that I saved Edward. Do you have anything you wanted to add? Sorry, I feel like I've been talking for a bit. This, the section, it made me wonder, like, there's so many things going through my mind about this, this memory of Edward's mother. The first thing that came to my mind was, we know that Edward has this ability to read people's minds and that Carlisle believes that it's something that is enhanced with vampirism, that it was something that he was just good at, kind of just maybe being intuitive as a, a regular human, and then it was enhanced with the vampirism. It makes me wonder if maybe his mom had some sort of, not not that she could read minds, but that like she just had a little more intuition than the average person that she passed down to Edward. Now, she could also be delirious from fever and is just saying something to help preserve her child in any way you know like I could also see Carlisle kind of just taking the statement and running with it in the way that he wanted to because it fit his narrative but I I the first thing that my brain thought was that maybe maybe his mom did have some kind of like weird maybe a little extra knowingness that got passed down to Edward that then got turned into mind reading as a vampire that is really interesting. I had never even thought about it. And it's interesting because we know next to nothing about his dad. His dad, like, died in the first wave, Carlisle says. Edward never talks about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we know with Bella, her odd, like, ability, I, I guess you could call it an ability to, like, not have her mind read, is kind of a combination of her parents because Charlie's mind is is pretty hard to read and then Renee's is the opposite. It's like impossible not to like pick up on her thoughts. So I don't know, that's very interesting. I never thought about it. So it makes me wonder like, okay, well that like, did Edward's dad have something going on? You know, you know, like it's interesting. Yeah, is there anything, do we find out anything more about Edward's mom in other books? A little, not much. Okay. Then it's just um, a hypothesis for me. I like it. I want to Google it. There's probably something out there. Probably. So then, right when Carlisle was saying, you know, I've never been sorry that I saved Edward. Um, he says, I suppose I should take you home now. Edward re-enters, so he's probably been listening the whole time like a creep, like he does. And he says, I'll do that. And Bella tries to be like, oh, no, Carlisle can take me. Like, I don't want you to have to suffer. And Edward, it says, I'm fine. Edward's voice was unemotional. You'll need to change anyway. You'd give Charlie a heart attack the way you look. I'll have Alice get you something. He strode out the kitchen door again. I'm like, this is such a shitty way to treat people. It's her birthday. Yeah. And his ability to, like, even though he's mad at himself, I'm putting air quotes in. It's like, yeah, obviously he's mad at himself, but... The way that he delivers that makes Bella feel bad about herself. So it's like, if you really wanted to make her happy, then you would, like, pretend that you weren't mad. Yeah, it's, like, we as readers, and since we've seen so much into the way that Edward thinks and his motivations, it's very clear that he's upset that he even allowed the situation to remotely happen. But 
if if it were me in Bella's shoes, I would 100% assume that he was mad at me. Like, I don't know that he hates himself this much, really. Like, he's kind of, he's he's mentioned it, you know, to her. But the reason I know he hates himself so much is because I read Midnight Sun and I know what he thinks. Like, yeah. if I was Bella, I would 100% assume that I am pretty responsible for this, especially given the way he's acting now. Yes, and there's such a bad combo because I feel like they both take all the blame on themselves. Like on this page that we're literally on, page 42, um, Carlisle's or Bella says it's not his fault. And no, he says, you being put in danger because of what we are is exactly the kind of thing that he fears the most. And Bella says, it's not his fault. And Carlisle says, it's not yours either. And then, like, to the reader, Bella says, I looked away from his wise, beautiful eyes. I couldn't agree with that. I'm like, what what crime did you commit? What sin did you commit to do that, to deserve the fucking being thrown into a table of glass? I feel like Bella, and wait, this is, this is known. Bella is such a people pleaser. Like, she is so willing to take the fall. She is so willing to be the one to apologize and want others to be happy before herself. It is 100% her character to be like, I can't accept that it's not my fault. I can't accept that at least a little bit of myself is not like, like she, she has to take a little bit of the blame. She has to. Or all of it, you know, depending on who you ask. Yeah. I can't lie. They irritate me. Cause I'm like, be, I think I just want them to be more mature than they are because to me this is both of their responses are immature to where I'm like talk it out realize that this was an accident out of everyone's control and fucking calm down <laughs> it's so kind of shocking how similar they are and that they both refuse to accept that the other one like wants them or like like they both think I am not worthy of the other person and that everything that I'm doing is somehow hurting them. Like I'm doing something wrong. They're going to hate me. Like I need to stop doing this because they're not going to like me anymore. They're both like that. I, I'm just, do you, I wish they, they would just like have a conversation and be like, Oh wow. You actually like are really, really, I, they've had, these conversations where they talk about how much they love each other I wish that they could just both accept that and accept yes we each have our own faults but guess what the other person loves me in even with those faults you know like I just wish that they would be more accepting of each other and themselves and stop beating themselves up over these things yeah, I'm about to be the corny-ass English teacher who gives you advice at lunch. But it's like, I feel like we've all been there. We've all, like, kind of been like, oh, I don't deserve, like, this person. They're so amazing, blah, 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 whatever. And this is where it gets really corny because it's like, I feel like part of maturing and growing up and being able to be in a long-term relationship, like, I know so much about that, but is like, is you have to find like it's so corny I hate to say it, but it's like you have to love yourself first and I feel like neither of them love themselves and th so they're seeking it from these external sources and then being surprised when they can't like actualize it or believe it that it's real 
because they don't have that foundation within themselves to begin with. Edward especially, but I also would argue that Bella doesn't really like herself. Yeah, I mean, if we talk, if we look at how Bella kind of talked about herself in Twilight, especially, that argument is sound. It just makes me sad because, like, there's so much that they do that I'm like, I wish I could just give you a hug and tell you, like, this is how you do it better, <laughs> you know. This is how we don't be toxic. Yes, exactly. Uh, so... Bella goes with Alice to put some different clothes on. And, you know, while they're alone, she asks Alice how bad it is. And Alice says, I'm not sure yet. And then Bella asks about Jasper. And Alice says, you know, like, it's so hard for him because he hates feeling weak. And this is, like, so much harder for him than everybody else. And he hates that. And Bella says, like, it's not his fault. You'll tell him that I'm not mad at him, won't you? And, and Alice says, yes. So then... Edward and Bella leave with those fucking presents. I'm like, I would not open that present that gave me that paper. <laughs> I'd be like, whatever it was, I didn't want it anyways. <laughs> Why did they even put it in wrapping paper? I mean, I guess, to be fair, you can't foresee someone getting that drastic of a paper cut. But could have put it in a bag, like a gift bag. Because Alice wanted, to, like, the theatrics of her unwrapping it, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess that, that that's a good argument. Stupid. So we start driving home, and it's dead quiet. And once again, we've all been in this car, and it's the fucking worst! I, I, I never... I know I'm gonna be in this car again at some point in my life. But I don't want to. I'm not interested. You don't know that. Think positively. <laughs> well, not not just even romantically. Like, just like, like you just had something tumultuous happen with a friend or with a family member and neither of you are talking about it just the silence it's awkward but it's better than not than saying anything you know yes yeah not really that related but you you know things are bad this is at least how I am when I drive home and I don't listen to anything and I just drive home in silence <laughs> mm-hmm oh yeah oh yeah Ugh. So finally, Bella says, say something. Edward says, what do you want me to say? And Bella says, tell me you forgive me. That brought a flicker of life to his face, a flicker of anger. Forgive you? For what? If I'd been more careful, nothing would have happened. Bella, you gave yourself a paper cut that hardly deserves the death penalty. Hate when he's, he tells the truth, because then I have to agree with him. It's still my fault. And I'm just going to read this rant. I'm just going to go for it. Your fault. If you'd cut yourself at Mike Newton's house with Jessica there and Angela and your other normal friends, the worst that could possibly have happened would be what? Maybe they couldn't find you a bandage? If you'd tripped and knocked over a pile of glass plates on your own without someone throwing you into them, even then, what's the worst? You'd get blood on the seats when they drove you to the emergency room? Mike Newton could have held your hand while they stitched you up, and he wouldn't be fighting the urge to kill you the whole time he was there. Don't try and take any of this on yourself, Bella. It will only make me more disgusted with myself. How the hell did Mike Newton end up in this conversation? I demanded. Mike Newton ended up in this conversation because Mike Newton would be a hell of a lot healthier for you to be with, he growled. Do not say that next line. I was ready to. I was ready. I hate it so much. I would rather die than be with Mike Newton. Shut the fuck up. Okay, but also, like, saying that to your significant other is... We talked about this last chapter... 
it's very manipulative. I would rather die than be with anyone else but you. Very manipulative. Especially when she just had, I don't want to call it a near-death experience, but, like, it could be argued that it was a near-death experience. There was a vampire about to just chomp on her, so. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. I'm mad at both of them, because... Bella's damn right. Stop talk- talking about fucking Mike Newton. I'm so sick of hearing about him. Yeah, this was the section that really made me cringe. Like, as the awkward car silence sucks. And then I've, I have been Bella in this situation where it's like, rather than, like, say the honest... Tr- and I mean, I think that she's being honest. Like, this is her honest truth. But me looking at this objectively, like... She has done nothing wrong. She really has. But the only way for her to salvage this situation in her mind is to be forgiven. Like, she has done something wrong here. And the only way to get back into some sort of normalcy is for Edward to forgive her. And, like, she's just so ashamed of herself and just wants things to go back to the way that they were before this that she's begging him to forgive her. And I... It just made me cringe so hard because it's like like even after this the tone is just very weird and like the chapter ends very weird and it's like like I can look back into past relationships and I can pinpoint this moment in those relationships where it's like this was a turning point things were very different after this conversation I could tell the vibes were off I was trying to get things back to the way that they were before this moment but they just never were and it's just like it's it's cringy because we're getting to that we're getting to that point of things are about to get real sad for Bella. Yeah, yeah, I hate it. Mhm. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> so they finally get to her house, and Bella asks him if he's gonna stay over, and he says, "I should go home." And very rudely, she's like, for my birthday, he says, you can't have it both ways. Either you want people to ignore your birthday or you don't, one or the other. And I'm like, she sure as hell can have it both ways. It's her birthday. Yeah. Is it your birthday, Edward? No, it's not. So let her have her Virgo fun. It's September 13th for Pete's sake. That's that. (laughs) I didn't have anything to add, so I was just like, yep. (laughs) Okay, so... She goes in, and as we mentioned in our intro, Charlie notices that she has a bandage on her arm, and he, he kind of asks her about it, but she just says, I tripped, it's nothing. And he, it's it, literally the page says, Bella, he sighed, shaking his head. Good night, Dad. That's the end of it. If I walked in to my home with, I'm, I'm trying to think of the equivalent. If I walked home, with a bandage on my arm, let alone stitches underneath the bandage, both of my parents would be like, I'm sorry, what happened? I'm going to need the details. I'm going to need, whose house were you at? Did, what, when time did this happen? Did you go to the, do we need to take you to the emergency room? Like, I, I, I don't know if this reflects on Charlie not caring or if this reflects on Bella is so accident prone that this is just another Monday. Yeah, it could go either way. I mean, maybe at this point he's like, she literally fell out of a window. Like, can't be that bad, right? Yeah, I guess. I just, 
my thoughts are this like syrup stuff that Carlisle put on her arm. Like I felt like it was very pungent. It was described as having a very distinct smell to it. And I feel like it would be obvious. I don't know. It just like if if this if it was that big of an injury, it just it's really shocking to me that Charlie has nothing to say. Yeah, it is shocking. Be better. You know, Renee would have been worse, though. That's true. She would have, like, told, she would have told Bella a story about, like, some time that she got hurt and then, like, forgotten that Bella was hurt. And then she had to go take a phone call, so. (laughs) Drag her! (laughs) Okay, so Bella goes upstairs and changes and then goes back to her room where Edward is waiting. And then she opens her presents. Well, he opens her presents, which, you know, wise. Because at this point, I'm fucking sick of this. Yeah. (laughs) So, Carlisle and Esme got her um, a voucher for two plane tickets for her and Edward to go visit her mom. Um, And... I just wanted to say, so this is on page 48, so his response to something she says is so ominous and so passive-aggressive that I'm like, it's like a dagger to the heart. She says, we're going to Jacksonville, and I was excited in spite of myself. It was a voucher for plane tickets for both me and Edward. That's the idea. That is like him being like, that was the plan. Until I decided I was going to dump you. You know? Like, it's him, like, being like, yeah, we were supposed to, but I'm not gonna now. Without saying it. I didn't pick up on that until you pointed it out. And, I mean, it's it's kind of, I just, any sentence that's only, that's less than five words and has a period at the end of it is never good. It's never good. There are no more donuts period like I just the period the tone is just very bad it's I'm sorry that I used that as an example it was not a serious example but it's just like it's never good it never is good the period just a few words you know you're getting some bad news yeah yeah because I guess if you said like I love you it wouldn't have a period at the end yeah the I love you period is to me if I read it I would read it as like you're just saying the words. Like, you don't mean them. You're just saying them. Yeah, good point. Good point. I hated it. Because I'm, like, very hypersensitive to this kind of thing. Like, if someone says love you instead of I love you, I'm like, oh, so you hate me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can definitely... Danny can attest that I'm the same way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, so then she opens his present, which is the one that gave her the paper cut, I might add. But anyway, it's a CD of his compositions. And of course, the first one is her lullaby. And she is like overcome with emotion. She says, it's beautiful, Edward. You couldn't have given me anything I would love more. I can't believe it. So she's happy about this. And then Edward gets up and gets her some Tylenol. And... You know, he's like, it's, he's basically trying to force her to go to sleep. He's like, it's late. He puts her into bed. And then um, Bella is brave enough to say, what are you thinking about? But then, but then it kind of makes me laugh. It's so teenage girl. Cause he says, I was thinking about right and wrong actually. And she's like, anyway, so it's my birthday. <laughs> Cause she's like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. 
these are the last few hours of her birthday. She has to get, I mean, let's look at the, the past, the previous few hours of her birthday. She has to get some joy out of them. Yes, totally. So anyways, she says, it's my birthday. Um, I was thinking that I'd like you to kiss me again. And he says, you're greedy tonight. Yes, I am. But please don't do anything you don't want to do. And then he very ominously says, heaven forbid that I should do anything I don't want to do, which is such an Edward line. Like that's something his brain would have said in Midnight Sun. So I'm not surprised it's something he, he says out loud in this book. I'm <laughs> I was just gonna say Paige is just shaking her head. She has nothing to add. I before we continue on, the note that I ended kind of this chapter with was that these like three pages, or I guess really like that's eh, three, are the sexiest pages we have seen since the beginning of Twilight. I I am picturing Stephanie sitting down and writing this smut with a smile on her face, picturing, who is it? Pete? What's his name? Who is, who is the guy that Edward is modeled after? It is not Pete Wentz. Don't you dare suggest such things. It's Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Okay, sorry. She has a smile on her face, writing her smut about Gerard Way, thinking, well, it's my birthday, so I was hoping you would kiss me again. And then he says, you're greedy tonight, which I'm sorry, disgusting. <laughs> um, not to kink shame, but I I read that and I was like, you are both children. Well, I guess technically Bella's 18, so I guess it's fine. But it's, I, I, I just, I read this and I was like, this is the most like action we've gotten. And I mean, I know that there's gonna be more to come, but this is like, this is the most we've had in the entire thing so far and i'm just i'm i gotta prepare myself <laughs> yeah i can't lie when i read that line out loud like i got grossed out by myself but i was like keep it moving keep it moving <laughs> okay so edward does kiss her and it's not like his normal kisses where he refuses basically to french her he like actually frenches her this time and, but it, something about it bothers Bella. Um, she's like, something is reminding me of something, and she can't quite put her finger on it yet. Too much tongue. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> and then Edward breaks away from her and says, sorry, that was out of line. She says, I don't mind. He says, try to sleep, Bella. No, I want you to kiss me again. You're, overesti you're overestimating my self-control. This is ballsy. Which is tempting you more, my blood or my body? <laughs> like, Again, sexy. Like, this is the sexiest it's been. Like, Bella hasn't been talking about her body. I mean, they they alluded to it in one of the chapters in Twilight, but, like, she just says it. Like, she's just going for it. I know. It kind of makes me wonder, like, damn, what happened this summer? Y'all do it? You don't want to talk about it? <laughs> just kidding. No, there's no way. <laughs> I know. But it's just different from how they've, kind of approach things like this before. Yeah, and I also like, I mean, we get a little more information in the next few paragraphs, but I feel like from in my own experience, when I could sense that things were kind of going awry in a relationship, I was more willing to put myself more out there, so to speak, 
in an, in an effort to save things. Like I, I was more willing to like put more of myself forward in the hopes that it would keep things the way that they were. Is that what's going on now? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. That's a really good point. Totally an overshare, but I, that makes me sad, but I am the opposite, which is equally unhealthy. Wherein if I like sense that things are going awry, I'm like, you never knew me. I live in Mexico now. (laughs) Literally I'm gone. (laughs) Yeah, that ain't me. I'm sorry. As, as a um, trademark attention. There are many words I want to use that I would use for myself, but I'm not going to say them on the pod. I love attention. So I'm, I'm, I need it. So I'll do anything for it. That's fair. I mean, I'm not, I don't think one of us is better than the other. I think we're both bad. I I agree. (laughs) As we've just like spent most of this episode being like, and another way to be more mature is (laughs) Bella, love yourself more. Edward, love yourself more us we're both horrible we're terrible (laughs) not me though (laughs) okay so finally bella agrees to go to sleep and she you know she presses her arm up against him so that it can almost be like ice on her injury and then i'll just read the last paragraph i was halfway asleep maybe more when i realized what his kiss had reminded me of last spring when he'd had me had to leave me to throw james off my trail Edward had kissed me goodbye, not knowing when or if we would see each other again. This kiss had the same almost painful edge for some reason I couldn't imagine. I shuddered into unconsciousness as if I were already having a nightmare. Do you have any notes we didn't cover? Nope, the sexiness was the last note I had, so we covered it all. All right, so as you mentioned earlier, next chapter is called The End. Obviously, I know what your predictions are, but you got any, like, details on your predictions? I, I'm, I'm thinking that, I'm trying to think of, like, where it's going to happen. Like, I, my thoughts are that he would take her, like, maybe to the meadow, but that would suck to take her all the way to the meadow and then be like, (laughs) bye, and then they have to walk all the way back. So I feel like he's just going to, like, come to her house or something, or, like, they're going to wake up and he's going to be like, it's over. And then it's the downfall. I also think that Jacob is very quickly going to make an appearance. Like he's going to, he's going to be coming in very soon. I feel like. Okay. Okay. Here's a question. So after Edward dumps her, like, do they encounter each other? Like what's the vibe there? Who encounters who? Bella and Edward. I think that Edward is probably going to maintain distance. I don't think that he's going to want to be close to her at all. I don't I don't think that he's going to want to be in her presence, like, as much as possible. Okay. How does he achieve that? Like, does he skip school? I could totally see him. I mean, he's already said that he's able to convince the author or the school officials to change their schedules around so that they have classes together. I could totally see him doing it for the opposite to be like, I need to change all of my classes actually. So we're no longer together. So I could see him still being in school, but not, not being 
like in any of her classes and just like not interacting with her. I'm sad for Alice. I, Alice, I want her to still be friends with her, but like, I feel like Alice will take maybe Edward's like, would want to like stay with Edward and support him, but I just feel sad for her. Yeah, definitely. Also, how awkward would that be if you're like the registrar or whatever it is in high school where you like, he comes in and he's like, I need to change my entire schedule. And you're like, damn, I know what went down. But Edward's a uh, pagan, what, what, how was he described the last chapter? Pagan god or? Yeah, pagan god of beauty or something. Yeah, he's a pagan god of beauty, so I'll, I, she'd probably do anything for him. She or he. I could see it going either way. Yep, that's true. I guess we'll find out next week. Mm-hmm. Only reading the one chapter? Yes, just the one chapter. Um, And make sure you stop at the end of it and don't like look ahead to what the next ones are called because it's a little spoilery okay okay i'll try my best i mean you'll see like what is on the opposite page but don't go further than that gotcha yeah i mean i never i never read any of the chapter but if it's like if it's the thing where it's like the end page is on the left side and then the start page is on the other it's hard for me to not like see the title yes fair All right, folks. Well, this was a quick and easy one. Hope you enjoyed. Paige, do you want to go over our socials? So we would love it if you send us more emails. We always are very excited when we get emails. Um, You can email us at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at TuesdaysAreForTwilight. You can follow us on Twitter at TaftPod. And we always 100% encourage you to support the Quileutes and their efforts to move all of their family and their cultural heritage literally to higher ground because their land is being washed away by environmental disasters. So you can find them and their all of their information and where you can support them financially at www.mthg.org. And if you so are interested, you can also support us on our Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. Immaculate delivery. Okay, what do you got for our closing today? It's Leo season, baby. I am telling you, every Leo in your life wants you. And yes, I mean you. If you think I'm not talking to you, I am specifically talking to you. They want you to send them at least four memes, especially on their birthday. Just give give the Leos in your life some attention right now because they want it. Am I talking about me? Perhaps. But just do it. Just know also that if you send us memes on social media, I immediately send them to Paige. Like, as soon as I see them, I send them over. So she's getting them. It's true. Sometimes, like, I'll be at work. And I'll feel my phone vibrating. And then I go in the office and I have like seven memes in a row from Emily. I think it was it Hannah maybe who sent us an email or something with like a bunch of memes. Or it was on like Twitter or Tumblr. And I remember that it was like eight memes. Bop, 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 bop. That was a really good day. Yes, Hannah pops off with the memes. We love it. So hit us up. We're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. We'll see y'all next week for the end, apparently. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.
Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.